Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So we've been talking about prayer, and we're going uh, to continue to focus on prayer today. It was really cool. Yesterday uh, evening, I uh, got with my family. I'm really striving to be more intentional with sharing Bible stories and praying as a family and encouraging them. And, t- and you know, but it's hard with the two little ones because it's like, you'll be right in the middle and uh, they'll, eh, we'll be focusing. It'll be a great moment. Then all of a sudden you get rock, paper, scissors, shoot right in the middle of it. And I'm like, God, hell, give me grace because I'm like, quit playing. But they're kids. But I'm, I'm praying to God that they grow as they grow. They grow in that understanding of prayer and they, they begin to not just know about it, but they get, begin to practice it. But God is really, really good at, at showing me when my children are really being impactful. So it was really cool because we started praying. I said, I want everybody to pray. And we're going to start youngest to oldest. So grace is first. And, you know, we get in this habit of every time we're done praying, what do we say? Amen. Right? So the first one goes, and then, you know, right before Cassidy starts, Samuel says, hey, So Samuel, this isn't me saying it or anything. He says, hey, let's not say amen till the end so that as we all pray together, it's just one long prayer all together. And then at the end, we say amen. So Samuel's trying to coach him, trying to teach him. And I was like, praise God for that, man, giving him insight of what this is really looking like, right? So Cassidy prays, gets to the end, amen. Samuel looks at her and So he's feeling the same frustration we are, right? As he gets older and learning these things, these concepts. And, but he didn't say amen, and then Becky didn't say amen because we're the older ones, right, as we go down the line. And then when I get to the end and I pray, amen. So teaching our children at a young age to pray and be very intentional when we pray. You know, all through the Bible, you see prayer as, as, a, as a time of uh, being very intentional. We don't want to just have religious practices where we just conti- we say the same prayer over and over again in repetition apart from relationship. That's, that's never what a prayer has ever been about, you know, and there are some religions that, you know, I know some, man, you know, sometimes they're in a different language and the churches have said, just pray, you know, pray this, this, and this, and they pray it and, you know, there's been, I've heard people ask those people, well, what are you praying? Well, I have no clue. That's just what they told me to pray. We don't want to be a church that, that, that prays in a way that doesn't understand why we're praying, what we're praying, and it's just, we want it to be all about relationship and not repetition. Because repetition is just, you know, this religious act and not this relational act that God demands and that God wants in our relationship with Him through our prayer life. So, uh, you know, we're going to continue to look at prayer, we're going to continue to look at things. Uh, you know, so a church that prays prevails, I said that the first week, you know, uh, but if it doesn't, it really begins to die spiritually. Now, I'm not saying there's not good things that happen in the church, but I'm talking about when we will intentionally pray, it changes everything. It causes all things to be effective because it releases God into the situation. You know, prayer is one of the greatest disciplines that God has given his people, you know, to release him into their situation. You know, prayer allows the power of God to be released in our lives and allows his kingdom to invade the earth. He's looking for people who, who get out of the way, but that usher him in and release him in the earth. Because if God does not do something, if God does not change me, I cannot change myself. But if, if the power of God is released through the, through the principle of prayer and the, and the discipline of prayer... All of a sudden, we begin to see our lives change. We begin to see addictions just kind of shake off of us. We begin to see mindsets change. We we begin to to really see what, you know, this relational prayer life looks like. You know, so we got to be reminded that a praying church is a powerful church. It's the one thing that, that, that no organization can have that is not Christianly founded. Prayer releases the power within the church. And a a powerful church will continually be relevant to the world. If you begin to have healings and miracles and and visions and prophetic words and all of these things that come forth from the Spirit within your church, the world will begin to listen. 
because of the power that's released through the Spirit of God. You know, the story uh, in Acts 12, Peter, you know, while he is, uh, he's in jail, you guys have ever read that story? What was, the, what was the pivotal thing that in that story that changed that whole outcome for him? Does anybody know? What was happening in that moment? Do we know? What, were, what, were the, what was the church doing? Praying. Praying. Okay, so there's one, and, and that's, that's the focus. So we hear this, this whole story of Peter. You know, it says in Acts 12, read it. Take a note. I don't, that's not going to be the focus of the prayer, but read that. The power of a praying church. In, in uh, Acts 12, 5, it says, Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for God for him. So the church was the catalyst that caused all these things to happen. And I was sharing this with my kiddos. I said, man, Peter was sleeping in the middle of two guards. His arms were shackled. There was guards at the gate. He was in an impossible situation. And when prayer happened, power was released. And it says the angel of the Lord came and kind of rib checked him, woke him, said, wake up. He was sleeping. As he stood up, the chains just fell off. As he went to the gate, the gate opened itself. He gets out to the street and then the angel leaves and he kind of, you know, he was thinking he was dreaming. It was a vision. It wasn't real. But because of the power of a praying church, you see all of these things happen. And then he shows up and he begins to knock at the door. And one of the servant girls, she says, Peter is at the door. And the church that was praying, that was believing for a good thing said, you're crazy. You're nuts. There's no way he's out there. You know, but that's what they were praying for. So sometimes we pray for things, but we're just going through the motions and we're, we're praying without faith. So when that faith is released through prayer, it changes everything. And then it says they, be, they opened the door, Peter was standing there, and at first they thought, well, maybe it's just a, an angel. But when they saw that it was him, it says that they were astonished by the power of the church praying. You know, last week we also talked about Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name, so that that whole passage—it's a conditional passage, right? What does it say? I humble myself, I pray, I seek, and I turn. Those, that, all that is required of me. And then it says, "Then," so it's a condition, right? Then I will hear, forgive, and heal. It's conditional. So when I position myself in a, in a, in a way that is responsive to God, uh, that, that, is, that is a turning away, that is a praying uh, attitude, it changes everything. You know, for God to move in the earth, we, he wants us to seek him in prayer. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So when we take time to pray, we're taking time to seek and have fellowship with God. You remember the principle I told you guys that first week? Just be reminded that prayer is just a con continual conversation with God. You know, so that kind of takes out some of the awkwardness of like, you know, as soon as you come in and you sit down, you got to make sure you kneel, you know, you're, you got to put your hands just right. You know, oh Lord, you know, like this whole awkward religious thing rather than just saying, good morning, Lord. What's going on? You know, help me, Lord, today. Give me grace, you know, before our feet hit the ground. That this is this continual conversation with the Lord. So today, we're going to look at, at one more focus point. We're going to look and we're going to answer the question about what do I do when I don't know what to pray? Because I believe that this is a real challenge. This is something that we all run into. So, you know, if you're a new Christian or if you've been a Christian for a long time, you have been challenged possibly uh, having a consistent prayer life and not knowing what to pray. You don't believe me, just try to pay, pray for 30 minutes straight. You'll be getting it for about two and a half minutes. And you'll be like, well, do I just pray the same thing again? What do I pray? My words have run out. Now, some of us like to talk like Renee shared last week, and words just continually flow, right? But what I'm, what I'm wanting us to focus on is meaningful prayers, right? So how do we know what to pray? You know, there's times, you know, there's times in our life when things are not going well, and when we have an abundance of concerns, and in that season of our life, 
the prayer requests offered up to God are excessive. Well, we know the need. Lord, rescue me. Help me. Man, I messed this up. Lord, I just, let's say you just maybe lost your job. Lord, I pray you help me find it. Man, all of a sudden, oh, you got a whole bunch of stuff to pray. So there's different seasons in our life when we know what to pray, but I hope to answer the question this morning, what happens when we get to that place where I don't know what to pray? We're going to look at Romans 8, 26 through 27, and this is going to give us some answers. You guys got on the back of your, uh, your announcement sheet some fill-in-the-blanks here, keep you engaged a little bit. So it's going to, it's, the answers are going to be in this scripture. So starting in verse 26, it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words that cannot be expressed. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance to God's will. In accordance to God's will. So the Spirit always, every single time, prays the perfect will of God because the Spirit is God. He knows, he knows the, the, the mind, the will, the emotions. You know, if you say, God ha- does God have those? If he does, the Spirit knows exactly the same. He's in the exact same heartbeat. He's, he's consistent with that. He always pay, prays the perfect will of God. So uh, it, cause, it causes, when we begin to pray in the Spirit, it causes our, our prayers to be effective. 1 Corinthians uh, 14, 12 says, you know, that when we pray in the Spirit, we pray mysteries. We pray things that, you know, are not necessarily, you know, mysteries with the Spirit. Okay? So this morning, you know, if we don't know what to pray, I, I, I want to let you know that this morning that the Spirit of God can teach us to pray. It can show us what to pray. And there is a gift that the Spirit gives for every single believer to be able to do that effectively. You know, so one question, you know, I think that we all have, so do I receive the Holy Spirit as part of salvation? You know, that's a question, you know, some people think, yeah, absolutely, you get both, some maybe not. So let me tell you how my story went. So, you know, um, I hope that you were given the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit when you receive salvation. But for me, it was completely two separate experiences. I received salvation, and I was just living life. You know, I was trying to do the best I could. I just, you know, there were struggles in my life. You know, I was excited about the things of God. I knew nothing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or asking for the Holy Spirit. I thought asking for salvation was all there was. I didn't know anything about it. You know, then I had some friends come into my life and they started talking about the Holy Spirit. And have you ever asked for the Holy Spirit? I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And I was involved in the church for a long time. It just was, you know, and there's a lot of references to the Holy Spirit, but I just never connected the dots as far as saying, hey, the Holy Spirit, this is what it's talking about. You know, so uh, I just was never told. So, you know, the, the next question I had, so, okay, well, if I need the Holy Spirit, well, how do I receive the Holy Spirit? Luke 11 answers that question. When we look at Luke eleven thirteen, it says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So how do you receive the Holy Spirit? You ask. So all of a sudden, my mind is just like... Pfft. That's all it is. It's that simple. You know, it's nothing I have to work for. It's nothing I have to earn. That all I have to do is ask for the Holy Spirit. You know, and then then I was reminded, you know, of the scripture, you know, you have not because you ask not. My children receive a lot of things because they ask. You know, more so than if they didn't ever ask, they probably wouldn't get hardly anything, right? But they know by persistently asking, they greatly increase the likelihood of receiving. Well, in this scripture, God says that when you ask, you shall receive. And that's it. It doesn't say, hey, you have to work for it. Hey, you have to be good enough for it. When you ask, you shall receive. But sometimes we ask not because we believe not. Well, maybe in your heart you say, well, I don't don't believe that, that God gives the Holy Spirit to anybody. 
well, then you will never ask for something you don't believe is, is to be given to you. And that is one of the ultimate plans of the enemy to make you believe that the Holy Spirit is not for you. You know, there is some beliefs that the Holy Spirit was initially given for the, you know, the, the process of establishing the local church. How many of you uh, believe that there's healing in the earth today? Raise your hand real big. Okay, how many of you guys believe that there's like supernatural direction, like God gives you direction, choices in the earth today? So today, so why would God not re, uh, want you to receive his Holy Spirit today? Because really he is the gift giver of every single one of those things that we just believe in. So why would we believe in healing? Why would we believe in divine guidance and we would not receive in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I'm gonna take it a step further with the evidence and speaking in other tongues. Because that's where some people kind of get like, okay, here's the line, buddy. Now you're getting weird. You're getting, but I'm not, it's not weird. It's just something maybe we don't understand. So this morning, I want you to open your ears, open up your heart, and I'm gonna give you a whole lot of scriptures this morning. And I'm not saying, hey, I'm forcing you to believe this. Hear the word of God. Believe the word of God. And according to your faith, this morning, everything can change. Because you may not know you need to ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You may not know that God has a, a specific gift of tongues for you. Okay? But it is a gift that, that will radically change your life. So as we, we, we might not know we need to ask, but we all, I also ask the question, well, who is the Holy Spirit? You know, uh, if all need to receive the Holy Spirit, we have to understand, you know, that we have, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And they are all three directly connected and they have slightly different functions. Jesus' role was to come to the earth so that all might be saved. The Holy Spirit's ultimate role was after Jesus had went up to heaven and he was sitting at the right hand of God, the Holy Spirit was to be sent to the earth to empower me and you so that we might be effective here in the earth as his witnesses, as his disciples, that we might accomplish all that God has for us. But we have to understand that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are three directly connected. They think the same, they act the same, they are essentially the exactly the same person, just in different roles, right? Different responsibilities, different, different functions, okay? Doesn't make one greater, one less, you know, they're, 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 they, all, they all share equality with one another, okay? You know, so there is only one prerequisite for receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's that you've had a true salvation experience, a life surrendered to God by the price of his son. That's the only thing that, that is a prerequisite. You know, as I, as I, as I begin to look at, at, at this, I asked, uh, I asked the Lord, I said, man, you know, where are the scriptures about the Holy Spirit? And, you know, so to continue my understanding, I begin to look through the Bible and I begin to see them everywhere in the New Testament. Even in the Old Testament, it says that the Spirit of God would descend and they would come in and they would empower and then something would happen. You know, when we look at the Old Testament versus the New Testament, the difference is that the Holy Spirit is given without measure, and he doesn't just come for a moment and rest on me and then leaves, but he comes and he lives and he dwells inside of me. And that changes everything, because that means that unrelenting power is available at every moment in my life. And so at that moment that I say, God, I don't know what to, sp to pray, and the Spirit of God says, hey, pray about this then I begin to get direction in regards as to what I should pray. So if I ask for the Holy Spirit, so then what? You know, that's the process we go through. It says, first, I might not have known there was a Holy Spirit. Okay, maybe no, I, you know, maybe I believe there is a Holy Spirit. Now what do I do with that? I ask for the Holy Spirit, but when, then what does the Holy Spirit do? Who, he, who is he? What is, the, what is his function? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at some scripture. We're gonna look at Acts 1, 4 through 5. And then we're gonna to jump to verse eight. I'd encourage you to read through all of this because I'm gonna kind of piece all the puzzles together, okay? So Acts, Acts chapter one, verse four through five, this is what Jesus is saying. He says, 
but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit while he was here on earth. Verse five, it says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then verse eight, this is the, the, the verse that really changes everything, right? It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So there's a commentary that, that I looked at talking about the word power. So power for believers, you know, this, this is power that is received when we receive the Holy Spirit. So this power uh, um, given by the Holy Spirit includes courage, boldness, confidence, insight, ability, and authority. So think about those. I'm gonna say them one more time. Courage, boldness, confidence, insight, ability, and authority. Then, you know, the disciples would need all of these gifts to fulfill their mission. We would agree with that, right? Because you think of establishing the, the, the initial church, they would need to function in power, supernatural power, by the gift of the Holy Spirit being released in their lives so that they might start the church, right? That they might establish the church, right? So if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life also. This was not something that was reserved just for the disciples. There's too many people that have been baptized with the Holy Spirit to say it is not in existence. There's too many children who you cannot force to speak in tongues that have been filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in tongues to just throw it away and say, well, that's something that was only in the old days. I see it all over the place in the world today. But the majority, I'm not saying all, possibly the majority are missing out on the greatest gift ever because they don't think it's for them. You don't know that it's for you this morning. But this morning, I hope that you change the way we think in regards to that. If you can say, if you say, man, I've, you know, I've, been, I've received salvation, this whole power thing, I, I don't know nothing about that. If you don't see courage, if you don't see boldness, if you don't see confidence, if you don't see insight, if you don't see the ability change, <coughs> and if you don't see that you are walking in a whole new authority by the power of the Holy Spirit, perhaps you've never received the Holy Spirit. That's not a bad thing, but you can change that today. You know, the, hol the Holy Spirit causes effectiveness in being a follower of Christ. And in my life, that was the biggest thing that I saw a difference. All of a sudden, there was this passion. There was this desire. There was this power over sin that changed in my life. This authority, th this empowerment, this, you know, it was completely, you know, when you receive salvation, you know, you say, hey, it was a whole nother level experience, right? Well, let me tell you what. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it took me to a whole nother level. And it has continually radically shaped my life even up to this moment in my life. It's not a one-time experience that, you know, because I feel like salvation, apart from baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna have that moment, you're gonna be like, yes, two weeks later, oh no. You're gonna run out. But the Holy Spirit is given so that you might sustain a life of effectiveness and power and boldness and confidence. Let's continue to look at some passages. John 14, 16 through 17. That's John 14, 16 through 17. And then I'm gonna jump to 26. Uh, if, you need, if you need these scripture references after we're done, come up and get them because I'm gonna try to move on just because there's a lot of them. Uh, but in that verse 16, it says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you will know him for he lives, lives with you and will be in you. That's the difference. Well, then we go to verse 26 of that same chapter 14. It says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit. So every time we see the word counselor, it is referencing the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, in Jesus' name, he's gonna send the Holy Spirit and he will teach you all things can you say all things? And he will remind you, he will remind me, who needs to be reminded often? We're forgetful, right? That he will remind you of everything that, that Jesus has said while he was here on the earth. Well, I need that in my life. I need to be reminded. I need to know, I need to be taught all things, right? Let's go to John 16, a little bit 
further down. John 16, we're going to look at uh, verses 13 through 15. So it says in verse 13 of chapter 16, it says, but when he, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. Anytime we see the word spirit, we see counselor, we see guide. This is all in reference to the Holy Spirit. It says, when the spirit of truth, who is the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by asking by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So the takeaway from that is the Holy Spirit is our ultimate guide. He will show you. He will direct you. He will influence you. He will tell you the yes or no questions of life. I've talked about that previously before that, you know, that is the ultimate gift. Because the, the, the Bible will never tell you specifics to life, but the Holy Spirit will. If you say, hey, should I marry this guy? Should I marry this girl? You're never going to find it in here. You may try to say, oh, and the Lord said it was good. Well, maybe that's what he's talking. No. You're going to try to twist it, right? But we have to be, be ask the Holy Spirit who will guide us in all things. So there might be a peace in your life to say, absolutely, son, this is who I created for your life. And you have peace in that. Or let's say you're in a relationship. Let's go the other way, because I learned this lesson by the Holy Spirit too. Let's go the other way. Hey, is this who I'm supposed to marry? And God really told me, no, buddy, you jacked it all up. Because I didn't ask the Holy Spirit before I got in, involved in that relationship. This is pre-Becky. She's not here, so I guess I can talk about it, right? Sorry, baby, if you listen to this podcast. She can listen now, so... But that was a time in my life where I took steps and I didn't ask the Spirit of God and then I noticed, man, maybe this isn't right. You know, there was sin involved. There was, and I said, man, I don't know if I see myself marrying this person, but man, my heart's already gone and I'm already involved in it. And then I asked the Holy Spirit and he's like, no, you messed it all up. And I'm like, well, thanks, Holy Spirit. Now what? And then I remember telling the Holy Spirit, I remember telling God, God, if this is not of you, you have to rescue me out of it. And then that individual ended off going to Bible school where they did not allow relationships. And there was a separating that God rescued me from. Was my heart still torn? Did I give away parts of my life that I shouldn't have? Absolutely. Did God restore all that? Yes, but he also rescued me out of that. So life lesson, before you go down that road... Ask the Holy Spirit, who is the ultimate guide. Because if I would have asked before, before I gave my heart, before I was in love, right? And you all distracted, all kinds of messed up. Cupid hits you with that dumb arrow. You can't think straight, right? It's not that love arrow, it's that dumb arrow. But you can't think straight. And you justify everything. It must be right, you know? Don't know what love is, man. You're just young and dumb, Right? But if we would listen to the Holy Spirit before we get to that place, that he will guide us in all things. You know, and it's, it's hard. And we mess up. We make, those, we make decisions apart from the Holy Spirit. But I think God wants us to use the Holy Spirit to our advantage. He's the ultimate guide. You know, so we gotta, we gotta realize that all through Scripture, all the supernatural gifts in the New Testament are a function of the Holy Spirit operating through men and women and is given by Him to each one as He sees fit. When we talk about, you know, the gift of healing, man, this is a, this is a supernatural thing, supernatural healing by the work of the Holy Spirit, by the work of God, by, the, by a supernatural power that is not of ourselves. None of us have the ability to heal. None of, us, none of us have the ability to make the right, perfect life decision, but the Holy Spirit does. So we have to realize that all these spiritual gifts are, are, are given by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it talks about a, you know, a spiritual gift. It's talking about the spiritual gifts, and it says, all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. It's talking about the Holy Spirit again, right? And it says, and he will give to them, to each of each one, just as he determines so these, these spiritual gifts, we want to make sure that we're going to separate spiritual gifts from a prayer language, okay? So I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to really try to separate the two this morning because uh, 
we, we want to we see the difference between gifts that are intended for church edification and gifts that are given for personal edification. And if you lump some of them all together and you can't separate the two, you are going to get so crazy confused. Okay? So we have to understand that the Holy Spirit takes from the Son all that has been given by the Father and He releases authority and power to us as believers all for the glory of God. The Holy Spirit is the greatest gift that God has given believers today besides salvation. He is the greatest gift ever. You know, so uh, I want to look at one gift specifically that the Holy Spirit gives, and this gift changes everything. This is the gift of tongues or languages. I know the word tongues is kind of weird because it's like gift of tongues. It's just weird. So we can replace that word tongues with languages, and maybe it'll make it a little bit easier for you to hear this morning. Okay? So he gives us a gift of, of, of languages. You know, uh, people also call it uh, your prayer language. Okay? So to help you better understand it, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to add some clarity. So make sure you understand that there's two separate functions. I just want to reiterate that. Two separate functions. So tongues as a spiritual gift and tongues as a prayer language. Okay, so that we have to understand, you know, that we have tongues as a spiritual gift, which is for congregational use. Paul talks all about this through his word. You know, but then there's also tongues as a prayer language, which is a personal gift. So when we talk about the, the, the spiritual gifts uh, for the congregation, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, and then uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 5, it says that these gifts are to be used for the common good or for church edification. You know, when we look at that same uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says the Holy Spirit gives them as he determines. So we have to understand that when this function of tongues or a language is given, for the church edification, there is always a requirement for an interpretation every single time. That if I were to give a word in tongues and I don't interpret it, everybody looks at me and says, shrug your shoulders and that benefited me, that didn't benefit me at all. You know, it'd be like if I got Epi to come up here and preach in Spanish. For those of you who know Spanish, right on. That would be like an interpretation for you, right? Because you would understand it. But if you don't know Spanish... You're going to walk away scratching your head and say, that was of no edification to me. So we have to understand that, you know, when it talks about, uh, you know, a spiritual gift uh, of tongues for congregational use, there is always a requirement for interpretation. And, and those spiritual gifts are found in 1 Corinthians 12. Let me turn to that make sure I... So 1 Corinthians 12, all of those are found between verses 7 through 11. So I would really encourage you go and read those where it talks about a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, tongues, interpretations of tongues, supernatural faith, all of those things. Those are congregational gifts for the edification of the body. You guys got that? Okay. So that's one side for congregational use. But I really want to focus this morning on the, on the reasoning for, uh, for tongues for personal use, right? So when we look at Acts 2, 4, it says that, you know, when, when, when you receive the Holy Spirit, it is, a, it is a language that is enabled by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we need, to, we need to understand that this spiritual gift of tongues for a prayer language purpose is for personal edification. So if I'm edifying myself, there is no reason for an interpretation. A interpretation is not required. Now, I believe in your personal life as you begin to pray in your prayer language that God gives you an understanding of what you're praying and it aligns your mind with the perfect will of God because we said what? The Spirit himself, when he prays, he what? Prays the what? Perfect will of God. So that if I'm praying in my spirit, man, if I'm praying by my spirit, I can be confident that I am praying the perfect will of God. Okay? So we're gonna look at scriptures really talking about the prayer language, your personal prayer language. So in answering the question, I don't, what happens if I don't know what to pray? The Holy Spirit always knows what to pray. But you have to receive the gift in order to be able to know what to pray. And that only comes by asking for the Holy Spirit and God releasing that, that personal prayer language in your, in your life for your personal edification. So let me give you a few more scriptures. So all the rest of these scriptures, it is just talking about your prayer language gift. This is not talking about for, you know, congregational edification. 
Okay, have we separated the two? Can we understand that there is two different ones? If you lump them all together, you're gonna get totally confused. Because if I try to use this one, let me just give you a quick example, you know, because Paul says what? You know, never speak in a tongue unless there's interpretation. Well, if you're connecting that one with your personal language, well, you say, well, I can't pray in a prayer language because there's no interpretation, so I can't pray. And that'll mess you up because you have to separate the two. For church edification, there's always required an interpretation. For personal prayer use over here, you don't need to interpret it and you can pray for your own personal edification. It's to build up your spirit. It's to help you. It's to change your life. And in essence, that's going to change everybody's life, right? So let's look at a few more passages. 1 Corinthians 14.2. And this is is going to give us some guidance. It says, for everyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. God. So let's stop right there just for a minute. So when I'm praying in the spirit, you might say, well, Noah, you're praying in the spirit and that bothers me and I don't understand what you're saying. It's okay because it's not for you, it's for God. And the whole purpose is that I speak directly to God in my spirit. It's a personal thing, it's not a corporate thing. Now, I'm not saying that you won't ever hear somebody praying in their prayer language in a corporate setting, but it's not necessarily, if somebody's using it for a personal prayer language, it's not necessarily critical Oh, I hear him praying in the spirit. We better interpret that. And that's why we should be a little cognizant as far as like, if I'm praying real loud, you, I don't want you to confuse my personal prayer language with a corporate word of tongues that is to be interpreted. And I'd be like, oh no, I'm sorry. I was praying in my prayer language way too loud. And then the whole church is all confused, right? So I want to be courteous that I keep it somewhat to a personal state. But the, the, when I speak in a tongue, I, I'm not speaking to men, but I'm speaking to God. And then it goes on to say, indeed, no one understands him. He, uh, he utters mysteries with his spirit. It comes out of the spirit, right? So this sounds a lot like prayer. When I pray, who am I praying to? Am I praying to men? No, I'm praying to God. It's the same function. I'm praying to God. I'm praying focus to God. You know, this is your spiritual prayer language. So your prayer language comes out of your spirit, not out of your head. It's spiritually birthed, not educationally learned. Did you hear that? It comes supernaturally out of the spirit. It doesn't come out of our minds. So it's not like if I knew Portuguese and I just start praying in Portuguese, right? That's not what I'm talking about, other languages. This is something that is unlearned to the speaker. It is birthed by the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit enabled them, they begin to speak in other tongues. This is not something that's learned. But just like a baby that begins to learn a new language, do babies start just talking in full sentences? No, not usually, right? But as they begin to use the language, what happens? It grows. Becomes more pronounced. Nay, now I can sentences, paragraphs, Run-on sentences, however you want to look at it, right? It begins to change. As we use it, it grows. But when we initially receive it, maybe it's just something that begins to start small and ends up being something really great, okay? So it's, uh, it's spiritually birthed, not educationally learned. So your, per- your personal prayer language is what is going to activate your prior, prior time with God to the next level, it allows the Spirit of God to be involved in those moments rather than, you know, because think about it. Apart from the Spirit of God, it says the Spirit of God knows how to pray the perfect will of God and knows what needs to be prayed at that moment. So if I go into a prayer meeting without the Spirit of God, without my prayer language, without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like I said, you're going to pray for those two minutes and then you're going to be like, oh, this is great. Not. There's no life. There's no power. There's no direction. And we may be able to conjure up a whole lot of prayers if we're going through something pretty bad. Or we can quote scripture or different things like that, but the greatest gift that God has given us in those moments of prayer is is, is the baptism of his Holy Spirit in our personal prayer language, that we can pray the perfect will of God. Jude 20, it says, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up. So I'm gonna continue to point out, this is personal, yourselves. It doesn't say build up the church. Build up your neighbor to your left, to your right. It says, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray in your prayer language. So how often should we pray in our prayer language? Should we do it all of the time? Glad you asked. Ephesians 6, 18, it says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. 
How often? All occasions. With all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, keep on praying for the saints so that we, we can be confident that when we begin to pray in the Spirit, we're praying the perfect will of God. It is the Spirit that prays through us. And like we mentioned in Romans eight twenty seven, the Spirit always prays in accordance with the will of God. The good thing about, you know, praying in this, you know, uh, about praying in this, this way, when we pray apart from the Spirit of God, most of the time our prayers are very selfish. Lord, help me with this. Lord, provide me this. Lord, take care of my family. Me, 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 I, I, I. They're selfishly centered, but when we begin to pray in the Spirit, it's no longer about us. And we're, pray, we're praying a, a, according to God's perfect will. So I'd encourage each of you, start your morning. You got, how many of you guys strive to have a, a consistent prayer life in the morning or in the evenings or at some point? Most, some of you, most of you. If not, I'd encourage you to. If you have a prayer language, I would encourage you before any words come out of your mouth, pray in your prayer language for just a moment. I'm not talking go on and on and on, but before you do anything, pray in that prayer language and see how your prayers start. Because I believe that when you're praying the perfect will of God through your prayer language, it aligns your thoughts and your emotions and everything to focus in, the, in, a, in a God's-focused way. And then those next words that come out probably are going to hit the mark. Because we are aligning our minds with the perfect will of God by our spirits. We're allowing our spirits to pray. You know, uh, Paul talks about... Uh, you know, I don't only pray in the spirit, but I pray with my understanding. Man, there's so many times I'll be praying in the spirit. And I, I mean, my mind is just blank. I don't really know what I need to pray for, what I'm praying for. I begin to pray in the spirit and then I stop and then I begin to pray back in my English language, right? And then, man, it's specific now. It's like, oh, man, maybe that's what I need to pray for. Or God will, you know, drop somebody's name in my, in my spirit. And then I'll begin to pray for them. And then I'm like, then I get to the end. I was like, okay, I don't know what to pray. I go back to praying in the spirit. And then I come back out of praying in the spirit. And then I pray another specific prayer. It causes all my prayers to be effective. So that's what I'm talking about, praying in the spirit, but also praying with the understanding that we want God to give us some direction in that moment. We just don't want to pray in the spirit our whole lives and just say, well, God never wants to show me what I'm praying. I'm just praying in faith that, that it's uh, praying according to his will, but he never enlightens me in regards to what I need to pray. He never shows me any of that picture. That's not how it works. As you begin to pray in the spirit, he begins to deposit things in your heart. He begins to change you. But I believe that God gives us insight in those moments of praying in, in, in our prayer language where we know what we are to pray at that point. And then we do flip-flop over and we do pray with our understanding. You know, it'd be like, let's say, you know, I'm praying in the Spirit and I'm praying in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, you know, and God puts, drops something in my heart towards Pat or whatever and I need to go pray for him. Well, at that point, I need to go pray for Pat and I don't need to just pray in the Spirit over him because now I got him involved, I need to pray in English because there's something to encourage him or to give him specific instructions or to guide him in a specific way because now it's not personal, it turned into relational. If I place my hands on him, I pray in my prayer language and then I look at him and say, hey, you good, man? He's like, not really, man. All right, well, I don't know what I'm praying either and we just walk away. That's not how God wants it done. He's going to deposit things and show me things in the spirit, and then I'm going to have to walk those things out in the natural. That's what he's talking about. When, we, when, when it's for edification of others, there has to be an interpretation or an understanding. Every single time. God is looking for people who will seek him in prayer and will cry out for him to move in the earth by his power and his might. You know, I'm so thankful, you know, that the Holy Spirit can direct my prayers and that I can pray effective prayers. So I want to encourage you this morning that there's, that there's, that there's a reason to start praying in your prayer language. If, if you're not doing it already, you know, we, we talked about, you know, how God sent his Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us. So why would we not utilize the greatest gift ever into our lives? 
Nobody would say, well, I don't want to be guided in this life. I just want to be ignorant and go around aimlessly. Said no one. But God has given us the ultimate tool, his Holy Spirit, to lead us and guide us. So we got to be saved. We got to ask for it in faith. Like, you know, right? Because salvation is, is received in faith. You know, faith to believe. The Holy Spirit is relieved in faith to receive. And then it's up to the Holy Spirit to do the work. We see that in our own life, right? We receive salvation, but that doesn't mean that all of a sudden we work, walk perfect and we don't sin anymore. It's up to God to change. Just like when we ask for the Holy Spirit, it's up to the Holy Spirit to release those gifts within us. So we must allow the Holy Spirit to be part of our lives on a regular basis. So if we believe, you know, being, uh, being spirit-led, uh, it, it's a big deal. So how many of you guys have ever practiced spirit-led giving? What I mean by that is, you know, you feel that there's a need and you don't know what to give and you ask the Spirit of God and you say, God, what should I give? And then he gives you a dollar amount or, you know, or says, hey, no, don't give to that. And you use that to kind of guide your life. Have you ever done that? You've ever done spirit-led giving? And we've all practiced spirit-led living, Right? Lord, show me what to do. Get me out of this situation. Please fire that person. Whatever, you know, like, we've all done it to some degree. Spirit-led living. Right? So why would we not practice spirit-led praying? Why should we not? It will greatly change everything in our lives. We should support the idea of spirit-led praying. Ask God how to pray tell you guys a quick little story. Man, you know, I remember when we were real, real young, we were in Minnesota. Me and my sisters were riding jet skis and my dad and my uncle, they went somewhere in in the vehicle. And I remember my dad coming back and telling us the story after, but he said that as he was driving, they were driving, man, he just got this quick little visual image of of children in the water, you know, with, with, you know, like their life vest on, but just floating in the water. And he was, he didn't know what the heck it meant. But God deposited that picture in him and he began to pray. He says, Lord, I don't know whose kids those are. I don't really know what that means. But Lord, I just pray life and protection. He saw that and he began to actively pray. He was spirit-led praying. He was spirit-led by the spirit of God. And then he began to pray in his spirit. He began to pray by the spirit of God. But when he came back, he didn't realize at that moment, me and my sisters wrecked the jet skis. Now we were fine, One of the jet skis wasn't so fine. He was super mad when he got back. And I had we had wrecked my uncle's jet skis. But he realized that those children that he saw in that vision would have been us. Or possibly could have been us. However you want to look at that story, right? But what changed everything was that he began to pray. And he didn't ask God, why do I need to pray? Whose kids are those? Those aren't my kids. I'm not gonna pray. He just knew that there was an urgency to pray. And that as he began to pray in the spirit, God began to move on his behalf because it was very personal. It was his own children. He didn't realize it. And God came to his rescue by by empowering him in the Holy Spirit to see those things. And then as he began to pray in his spirit, he began to change the situation. Zechariah 4, 6, man, I'm always reminded of the scripture. It says, not by power, uh, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. There's things that God can do in the spirit that no man can do in the physical. So this morning, I'm gonna give you three things to walk away with, how to release the power of the Holy Spirit into your situation. So we've already talked about, you know, how the Holy Spirit is our guide, you know, at John 16, 3, you know, he, he leads us into all truth. So on the back of your uh, little sheet, how to release the power of the Holy Spirit into your situation, that first blank, ask the Holy Spirit. If you've never done that, just start by asking. Say, Holy Spirit, I just want you to reveal yourself to me. Ask. Because when we ask, Father God gives. Secondly, allow the Holy Spirit. You know, we can ask for something, but it's, it's our responsibility to allow it to be received. Allow the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? No, I don't know, which, I don't know about this Holy Spirit thing. It's kind of wigging me out like this, you know, 
This is a little further than my faith is maybe gone, right? Allowing the Holy Spirit. We believe that God's word is truth, right? And it's trustworthy. And there's so much of it we don't have an understanding of. But faith is believing in what we do not see or maybe don't even understand. God wants us to walk in obedience and maybe then he'll show the whole picture. So we gotta allow the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, follow the Holy Spirit. So we wanna ask the Holy Spirit, we wanna allow the Holy Spirit, and we wanna follow the Holy Spirit. And that's really how, man, we will just allow the Holy Spirit to be heavily involved in every situation. I wanna close this morning looking at this final scripture, Acts 2, 4. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't stop there, right? And began to speak in other tongues. As the Spirit enabled them. So what does this mean? Does that mean if you come up and I shake you hard enough, it'll just come out? You better say something, boy. You know, like, you know, that's not what it is. It's the Holy Spirit enabling it within us. But if we don't ask, if we don't ask for the Holy Spirit, we can never receive the Holy Spirit. Maybe we've asked for the Holy Spirit, but we've never received the, the, the prayer language, the gift of, the, of speaking in, in tongues for personal edification. If you never have, maybe this morning you would say, God, I need that in my life. Man, that sounds so good. I desire that so much in my life. That's what I've been missing and we cry out for. But maybe it was a lack of faith. Maybe it was a lack of understanding. You didn't realize it. But today the Holy Spirit says, ask that you might receive. You guys stand up with me. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.